Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Somebody shout glory. Shout glory. You see, we are that generation that creation has been waiting for. The beauty of the workings of the Spirit of God in our life is not a function of our physical stature. It has nothing to do with our age. The depth of wisdom from whence we function is a reality of an ageless spirit that cries from the womb of our spirit. It's a generation of people that know the heartbeat of the Father. And tonight, even as we look upon the scriptures, I trust the Lord that deep we call unto deep at the sound. <laughs> I want to appreciate the leadership of the Jesus here. University of Ibadan is a very massive environment. Very massive environment. And I believe that there are many great leaders and voices that God is harnessing their potentials and building up in this territory in order to bring light to our generation. So I came tonight to echo the voice of God into your spirit man. So that that which the Lord has planted on your inside will come alive. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. But tonight somebody's story is about to change. Somebody's life is about to experience a turnaround. In the name of Jesus. Those at the gallery hope you are part of what we are doing. If you are excited to be here, can you give the Lord a big shout of praise? And I believe those outside, you are fully part of the service. The truth is that our location in the natural is not a limitation at all if our hearts are connected. Because the words that God will be bringing to us tonight, they are not meant for your head. They are meant for your spirit. So wherever you are, it's not a limitation. Just open your heart and trust the Lord to hear a word, a whisper from Zion. And it will change your story forever in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Eternal rock of ages. We come before your throne tonight to be instructed by your Spirit. Lord, we come again to submit our weaknesses and our insufficiencies to receive of the bounties of your spirit, to be energized, to be enhanced, to be improved upon, so that we will appear in our words as the solution that the world desperately needs. Make us lights tonight, shining lights indeed, that we push out the encroachment of darkness and to secure the borders that your glory has mapped out in order to advance that which you have preordained in your heart. Find us worthy tonight by your Spirit, Lord, 
to release upon us yet again fresh measures. Fresh measures, Lord. So that our weaknesses will be swallowed up by your strength. Our ignorance will be swallowed up by your depth of knowledge and insight. Thank you, Father. We are persuaded tonight that we will not only be transformed and empowered, but the effect will be felt in our territories and your glory will be made manifest. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. There are certain emphases I want to bring to us tonight that will constitute a building block in our advancement in life. It's possible to be carried away by excitement about the things you hear. It is possible to be carried away by so much excitement that you don't settle down to affirm the veracity of the things you've heard and to prove it in your life so that you become an extension of that reality that you profess. Then you can provide solution to your world. The number of Christians in the world is increasing by the day. But my challenge is that when we look at the systems of this world, when we look at the sectors of human endeavor, it is so difficult to see the Christ that we profess. It is so difficult to understand the ways of God by interacting with Christians. It is so pathetic. Considering all that the Lord has made available to us, why is it that it's impossible for us to alter the systems of the world and to make this world become a manifestation of the sphere of Zion. I begin to, to wonder how that gradually Christianity has been reduced to the time and the years that we have spent. Christianity has been reduced to bogus confessions about God that cannot be manifested in our lives. It's so pathetic that the people that talk so much about God cannot exemplify and give expression to the things they confess day and night. So loud is our lies to ourselves that the things we run about from place to place, preaching and affirming, are not realities in our lives. We talk about the love of God, yet our heart is full of bitterness. We talk about the power of God, yet we are like vegetables before princes in darkness. We talk about the righteousness of God, yet it's impossible to look upon a Christian and find the texture of the purity of righteousness. To find the texture of the holiness of God that burns like blazing fire in the midst of the coals. Isaiah was a prophet in time. He was a national prophet, popular among humankind. But the day he was granted access to the heights of Zion, suddenly he appeared before the flames, the coals of fire. And when he introduced himself for the first time, a national prophet did not introduce himself as a prophet. When he appeared face to face before the blazing holiness that burns from the furnace that is in the throne of God, he said, I'm a man of an unclean lips. Is it possible that your witness, your confessions cannot stand 
before the mirror of life. Is it possible that the things you affirm, if it was brought face to face with reality, you would have wasted your time? Is it possible that you could be a man that confessed righteousness on earth, but when the flames and the coals of fire are made manifest, you will introduce yourself as a sinner and a liar? Just the way the prophets appeared in Zion. You know, the guy was recognized as a prophet. He was a national figure prophesying to Israel. But the day he appeared in Zion, he realized that he was a man of an unclean lips. It was not even the angel that introduced him. It was the prophet that introduced himself. And all of a sudden, even the tongue that he used to prophesy before the coals of fire, he was a liar. As I was coming here, I sat at the airport and I was looking at people. And I marveled. To my dismay, the most decent people I saw at the airport were Muslims. It's so pathetic that the Muslims, that through laws and legalism, have expressed decency, are lost. They are the most hopeless. But when you look at society, they are the ones that exude what looks like righteousness. Meanwhile, the Christian that is justified in Christ, who is supposed to be an expression of the righteousness of God, when you look at him, you cannot find any dimension of Christ. The most corrupt and arrogant people I interacted with were the ones that bore names like, like Christian, like Mary, like Matthew, like Nathaniel. So I saw a contradiction. The one who is righteous is a visible manifestation of a sinner. And the one who is a sinner is a visible manifestation of righteousness. So by demonic intelligence, there is a mingling and intertwining of spiritual past possibilities to make it in such a way that the one who is saved is living in the direction of doom and the one who is sentenced to doom is living as if he's living in the direction of righteousness. So the one who is supposed to convert the one who is doomed have no moral justification to bring him light. And the one who is doomed, who is supposed to be brought into light, is the one that looks as if he's correcting the one who is justified. The righteous one cannot, con cannot challenge the sinner. And the sinner looks more righteous than the righteous one. A contradiction. So when we look upon topics like kingdom envoys, and bother to because I wonder whether we understand what it takes to be an envoy. It's a very cheap thing to be born again. The reason is because you didn't pay the price. But it will take you a lifetime to become the expression of the life of God. The responsibility is not to be born again. The responsibility is to live out the life of God. And this is where many are lacking. We come to church. Our priority in church is to be excited. Our priority in church is to be promised things that the unbeliever who are godless have in abundance. We come to church and the pinnacle of all we do in church is when we are prophesied into money and finances. There's nothing wrong with finances. But is that all it takes to interact with the Spirit of God? Whereas there are people who have never confessed Jesus. They are the richest of men on earth. So if it is financial prosperity that's our motivation, do we really need Jesus? 
Because the last time I checked Forbes list, the richest of men have no religion. Men like Carlos Slim, men like Bill Gates, these guys have no religion. No prophet prophesied into their life, but they are the wealthiest of men. In fact, they determine how the systems of this world run. Bill Gates alone will donate money in billions to kick out polio from Africa. He's not a Christian. And then when we go to church, all we desire is to be rich financially. Wealth in itself is a great asset for kingdom advancement. But wealth begins from the quality of your soul. You say, I wish above all things that thou mightest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You see, when we begin to talk about matters of an envoy, matters of representation, our priority will change. And I'm going to challenge a lot of things that you believe to shift your paradigm a little. Not to undermine what you already know, but to let you know that there are depths in this kingdom. There are depths. There are depths. So that when you examine the scriptures again, you will look at it a bit deeper. I studied Hebrews chapter 11. And when I compared it with the life of the people on earth, I saw that the testimony of heaven concerning men is different from the testimony of men concerning men. If you look at the life of Noah, the only thing that was outstanding in the life of Noah was the manifestation of the gift called discernment of spirit. By word of knowledge and by word of wisdom, no one knew what God wanted to do in the future. By word of knowledge and discernment of spirit, Noah could tap into the heaven. For 100 years, he was building an ark. And every dimension of that ark, he didn't ask any architecture. He was seeing it in the spirit realm and mirroring it in the natural. But when the immortal came to judge the life of Noah, he didn't mention his gift. He said, when God warned, he said, Noah moved with fear. So what was heavy, in Zion was the fear that was in the heart of Noah, not the gift that Noah manifested. The gift that Noah manifested was relevant in time, but the witness that stood in Zion as an immortal memorial was the fear in the heart of Noah. Do you see how God judges when the scales of balances are revealed? We looked at the life of Abraham at the end of Abraham's life. The Bible said Abraham was old and stricken in age. The Lord had blessed him in all things. But when we went back to the chronicles of immortality and the life of Abraham was x-rayed, his silver, his gold, and his cattle was not mentioned. The Bible said Abraham was a man of faith. He was obedient to God. When God called him out, he obeyed God. So the wealth of Abraham, as important as it was, his witness in eternity was his obedience to God. We have not left time. The Bible just gave us window into how God checks things out. The Bible gave us access into how God judges the value of humankind. Moses, a great man that wrought signs and wonders. The Bible said Moses spake the earth, opened his mouth and swallowed the sons of rebellion. But when God spoke about Moses, he said he was faithful in all of the house of God. If your story were to be told from heaven, what will echo from Zion? Before you begin to shout that you are a Christian, 
many have different confessions. But Jesus said, when we appear in Zion, He will give us a white stone. On that stone, He will write a new name. So what God calls you is in eternity that it will be revealed. You may be on earth shouting, but the quality and the texture of your heart is what will determine the kind of name that will be given to you in eternity. This is why we consider subject like kingdom envoys. An envoy is a man that can embody the kingdom and present it to the world in its full texture. You can be a believer, but you may not carry the kingdom as a physical embodiment. You are not an envoy. The reason our world is plunging into darkness is that we have many Christians but few witnesses. The word envoy is the word witness, is the word representative. And when we use representative in kingdom context, it is deeper than just sending just the president and say, go and tell the person outside that I'm not coming. That's natural representation. When we talk in kingdom terms, it's deeper. You don't just come and say, Michael Ropo says he's not coming. You are a joker. Because when you bring witness as an envoy, your witness must pass the test of alignment in heaven, on earth, and in Hades. In the natural, if I send you to represent me, and you go and you say, Mike is not coming, it's enough. Not in kingdom terms. In kingdom terms, when you speak, your word will resonate in all of the spheres. Your word must have stature in heaven, on earth, and in Hades. It's a deep dimension of kingdom representation. You know, one of the laws of biblical interpretation is to look at historical perspectives so that you can understand the weight of the words that are used. You can pick a word in scripture and use it lightly. The reason is because you don't understand the context and the times in which those words were uttered. In the days of old, when a representative is called, it is deeper than what English language calls it. In ancient language, it is called ecclesia. It's a strange kind of representation. In ancient Greek times, the ecclesia is made up of 5,000 men. Those men are called the gate. The reason is because they are responsible for formulating the laws that govern the lifestyle of people. It's like what you call the legislative arm of government today. You are not just part of the ecclesia because you are born into a Greek family. You are part of the ecclesia because you have come to a position of stature. You understand the laws that govern the land. And your life is a testament that you have kept those laws. So a point comes where you are inaugurated into the 5,000. And when you come among them, they are called the gate. Whatever they say is what that kingdom represents. If one of them stands, anything they tell you, if they are wrong, the kingdom have no choice but to back them up. Because at this point, they have become the proof and the witness of that kingdom. Everything they do has the full support of that kingdom. On account of that, they are carefully selected. Because if a member of the ecclesia comes and tells you that your family will receive freedom, it can no longer be altered. It's like the law of the medicine and the patient that cannot be edited. If the ecclesia comes and tells you that you are banished, 
What he's talking is not the voice of one man. He's talking as a witness of an assembly. That is why when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. He's not talking as a man. He's talking as a corporate persona. That is an envoy. So when Presido say, sir, we want to invite you to be our guest minister. It's not a man talking. It's JCCF UI talking. That means JCCF UI have been embodied in one man. Anything he says, it will be error to interact with him as, a, as an individual. He is speaking as a corporate persona. That is who an envoy is. And that is the kind of individuals that God wants to raise that will sustain the capacity to change the world from the onslaught of darkness. The reason the world is plunging into darkness and the energy of principalities is sweeping through our territory because there are few envoys in our lands. You will enter this territory as a virgin. You will be shocked that by the time you are in 200 level, you would have been disflowered. Nobody came to tell you. Nobody gave you a lecture about immorality. What you did not know is that because there are no envoys generating witness into the land, the borders of this land, the energy from Hades is growing high. So you come into a pool of demonic energy you are not aware. That's why you came to school and all of a sudden you started desiring to have a boyfriend. When no boy approaches you for one year, you are troubled. You may not tell it to anybody, but what you don't know is that you don't have envoys that provide energy. But in darkness, there are many ecclesia from Hades. They know what they are doing to spread energy into the territory. So young people will lose their destiny because they came through the university. Some people, their soul structure will be so destroyed that they will never recover, even after they live here, unless God does a deliberate thing to them. An envoy is deeper than a believer. It's an embodiment of the kingdom. In the Roman times, out of the 5,000, if they want to invade the territory to bring the influence of the Roman government, what they do is that they select three men and they send them into that territory. Those three men have the stature to change that territory and to make it become a colony of the Roman Empire. So they don't need to come to your village. All they need to do is to what? To send an envoy. When they come, they will provide laws. They will provide rulership. And they will provide security structure. You can't fight them. That's why you have Herod. You have Pilate. All of these things are representation. That's who an envoy is. They are the ecclesia. They stand as witnesses of a kingdom. So when God came to send us into the world, He is not sending us as believers. He is sending us as witnesses. But how many of us here are witnesses? It is deeper than coming into church and falling under the power and crying and going back home. When you fall under the power and you go back home, then an ecclesia from Hades will come to you the next morning and say, you know, say today that Friday, that club I hear say big boys, they come town. That time you are no longer crying. What you are not aware of is that witness is coming to you. So you that cried in church on Thursday night, on Friday you are bombshot going to the club. You have cried in church, but you don't understand the intelligence of kingdom advancement. Ecclesia. The representative of the kingdom, they are lacking. They are scarce. 
Many don't know what it takes to be Christians. They don't know what it takes to be believers. The reason we were called Christians was because the people x-rayed the lives of the people. They said, no, these ones, they live in this kingdom, but they are not part of us. They live in UI, but they are not citizens of UI. Everything that comes out of their life represents another kingdom. And that kingdom, the only person we saw that mirrored the dimension of that kingdom, his name is Christ. Therefore, let's call these ones little Christ. Because when we saw the way they speak, when we saw the way they dress, when we saw the way they acted, their life was in perfect conformity with the first person that came out of that kingdom. So these ones are like him. We have many preachers, but few witnesses. We have many Christians, but few representatives of Zion. This is why our world is plunging into calamity. We may pride ourselves in so many things, but that will not change our world. That will not bring liberty to our world. For you to be able to provide witness in the spirit and in the natural, something must happen to you beyond justification. And I will show you tonight the sequences you will follow to become a kingdom envoy. I'm keeping it calm because I want to show you certain things that will change your life forever. We can set people on fire. They cannot even manage the fire. After one week, you see them walking. They carry their Bible. They are reading Genesis to Revelation. Most times, that Genesis, they started reading, they will stop in chapter 8. By the time they read chapter 8, the fire have died. They come for revival meeting. They say, oh, I will start praying every night from 12. The first night, oh, 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 3 a.m. The second night, the third night, oh, Jesus, I love you. Ah, they check their watch. It's 12.15 a.m. The guy that prayed for three hours, three days ago, now 15 minutes have become a milestone. Because he doesn't even know how to manage the fire that he has received. Jesus told him, except a man be born again, he cannot perceive the kingdom of God. That's the first level of initiation. And then the ones that were following Jesus, Jesus didn't tell them about being born again. They are depths. The one that came from outside, what he needed was to be born again. The one that is already inside, Jesus told him, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The one that came from outside, what he needs is justification. The one that is inside needs to be a witness, an ecclesia. That one needs to be a rock. And when Jesus wanted to send them away, he didn't call them a a a representative anymore. He called them a witness. A witness is a martyr. So it begins from initiation. 
to becoming the rock of representation and then to becoming a martyr. You know who a martyr is? It's the one that dies to prove the validity of a reality. So you come to a point where even if it takes death to prove it, it's not an issue. You don't need to think twice. The guys told Nebuchadnezzar, they said, we will not be careful to answer you in this matter. Our God is able to save us, but in case he doesn't save us. You see, the guy who came in, his prayer is, God, give me bread. And God didn't give him bread. After five days of fasting, I say, oh boy, this is what I a lie. Not the man that have traveled to become a martyr. That one will tell you, our God is able to save, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. So his relationship with God is not based on what God can do. It's based on what he can do for God. There are different levels. There are different levels. Listen, when God responds, it is faith. When you respond, it's called faithfulness. Witnesses are faithful men. A point comes when you are no longer moved whether God wants to do it or not. It doesn't matter anymore whether God will do it or He will not do it. What matters now is that you will stand. And even if you die, it's an honor. The Bible spoke in Acts chapter 15, 26. It said, Paul and Barnabas. It said, these be the men that hazarded their lives. That one is not part of what was written. But they came to a point where they realized that the only value their life has is the degree to which they are willing to die. So their life became a revelation that the pathway to greatness in this kingdom is not the path of life, it's the path of death. The more you die for the kingdom, the more Christ is manifested through you. Nobody taught them. They found it by intimacy. Those ones are envoys. Most times when I preach in this direction, I ask, why is it so difficult to receive visions to go to places like Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan? Even in Nigeria here, it's been long I heard that they started a church in Meduguri. I don't know any church that has its headquarters in Meduguri. I don't know any church that has its headquarters in Gombe. I don't know any church that has its headquarters. I stand to be corrected. But most times, the areas where the devil is taking more authority over are the areas where the least witnesses are found. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. I came to challenge you this evening. I didn't come to manifest. You are the one who should manifest. I came to tell you that you are the one to manifest. It's enough to run from one meeting to the other. We are tired. Hey! This man of God is coming. When we are doing prayers and worship before the man of God comes, we dance as if we want to kill ourselves. If the man says, in the name of Jesus, we hear, Amen! Meanwhile, you are the answer that the world is waiting for. You are shouting Amen for bread and wine. You are the reason why we should shout Amen. The angels are waiting. The trumpet is being blasted from Zion. But you are still sitting down waiting for bread and honey. How do you become a kingdom envoy? I will show you three things. Quickly. I want us to pray tonight. Three things. I pray to God that I don't stir your emotion this night. I pray that 
everything that will happen to your soul tonight will anchor on your will and your understanding. Those two dimensions of your soul are more important. Your emotion is the flavor of your life. But where the fulcrum of your life is resting is in your will. In your will. In your will. And your will is manipulated by your understanding. So that something will down on you that you are the prophet that this generation is waiting for. It will down on you that every time you fornicated, you were epileptic. You were supposed to be the blazing light of righteousness. It will down on you that you have authority over that spirit that manipulates you to fornicate, that manipulates you to lie, and that you become aware that every time you fornicated and lied, what you did was that you elongated your wilderness experience. You had pleasure for five minutes, but you took from five years into your future. Many people are not aware. When a visitation is programmed to you from heaven, one year a window is open over you. That is the one year that you met that new girl. You came for the meeting, you say hello, the lady say hi. And then you are like, this person is nice. Oh, uh, um, where is girl so say hey? Oh, okay, somewhere there. Oh, thank you very much. And what's your name? Miriam. Oh, wow. My name is Michael. Um, can I have your number so we talk? You don't know that the devil is already manipulating the next one year that your window is open. And then you collected the number. Around 11 p.m. you wanted to thank her. The one you thanked her is not enough. So you went back and laid on the bed and you planned what to say to thank her. And then you thanked her and you are thanking her for four days. And then you chatted her for two weeks. And you want to now thank her in Mr. Beach. And suddenly the lady is so nice. And you thanked her into three months. And your prayer life died. You thanked her into four months. And your fasting life died. And you thanked her into six months. And then your eyes are plucked out. Like something. You can't see the visions you used to see anymore. The last time you remembered, when you prayed, you saw visions. Now you can't. What is going on? You came for the meeting, they said they should pray. Even when you were leading prayers, you couldn't pray for 30 minutes again. You went home, you were troubled. Oh Lord, what is happening? The moment you wanted to charge your phone, your phone rang and you saw Miriam. And then you carried the phone in a sober state. Um, yes, uh, it's okay. You thought you would talk for two minutes and end the call. And then you spoke. When you checked, it was one hour, 30 minutes. And then the body you came back from church with that evening collapsed. And then when you broke up with Miriam, it's exactly one year, two months. That's when your window was open. By the time you are breaking up with Miriam, a window of seven years are closed. And then the last time you knew you had this kind of body was in secondary school when a prophet came for revival. That was the last time you felt so much hunger. And then you felt this hunger down in 200 level. The next time you may feel that hunger is after NYSE. You don't know how principalities manipulate men. And we come to church, we are excited. Oh, oh, we lie down, we cry. The devil is recruiting soldiers. Because the devil understands kingdom. The devil is building systems. Because the devil understands kingdom. It is only in Christendom that we focus on individuals. You will journey from entering into the kingdom to become an ecclesia. And then you will journey from an ecclesia to become a witness. That's when you are an envoy. A witness is called matus. 
or maturayo. That's one who is willing to die as a witness. When you are invited into the kingdom, you are justified. Everything God has is given to you as an inheritance. When you become an ecclesia, that time your first assignment is to contend with the gate of Hades. You are invited to the kingdom, you receive everything that Jesus has as an inheritance. That's when you are, you are the righteousness of God. There's no argument about it. You are the blessed of the Lord. There's no argument about it. But can you contend with the gate of darkness? Jesus said, upon this revelation, I will build my church. He didn't say my church will prosper. He said, the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Only those who have won the mantle of Ecclesia can fight against darkness. After the days of the apostle, the first person that carried the gospel to Greece is Maurice Rulo. Maurice Rulo went to Greece as a teenager. A bishop invited him from America. Even the flight fare was not available. Maurice Rulo came for service. He was praying, trusting God for flight fare. And then somebody had a hunchback. And the person came to the meeting. And he prayed for the person. The person was healed. And the person said, this is the money I kept for the operation of this hunchback. And he gave it to Maurice Rulo as a seed. And the money was the exact money Maurice Rulo needed for flight fare. So Maurice Rulo flew to Greece. He was the first person that took the gospel to Greece after the days of the apostles. When he came to Greece, that was when the bishop told him, <laughs> see, this sincerity we are doing is packaging. We, have not, we are not yet ready for the wolves. <laughs> see, that's why we can't see what our father saw. When men like John Knox will sit on a donkey and move for 2,000 kilometers to go and preach to six people, and he will sit with them from morning to night for 30 days, when he leaves, all of them will become evangelists, burning with the flames of fire. When Maurice Arulo entered Greece, the bishop now told him, Sorry, this country we are banished from doing any public Christian gathering. So why did you invite me? You people should have been going from home to home preaching now. Why did you invite an evangelist from the U.S.? So the only thing Maurice Arulo could do, he entered his hotel room, he locked the door, and he fasted for ten days dry. You are the righteousness of God, but you are not a witness. The reason is because you have not tamed your appetite. We are talking about contending with territorial spirits. We are talking about bringing the witness of Zion to a land that is covered with darkness. Two Christians sit. One is opening by say, I am the righteousness of God. My sin, even if I see it, means nothing. No worry. Keep your pampas. Wear it. When you come of age, you will deal with strong meat. The Bible says, when ye ought to be teachers, you have need of being taught the first principles of the oracles of God. He said, but strong meat belongs to them who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern. You have not come to the point when we are looking at how darkness is sweeping through the borderline of our territory. People are arguing whether it's right to, have, uh, to ask God for money. When you ask them, what do you want to do for this money? They say, I've been trusting God for one phone. I want to buy that phone this year. Maurice Cerullo fasted for 10 days dry. That was when a woman was passing by the road at the head. Go into that room. Go into that room and help the young man. The woman checked. She didn't know who was talking to her. So when she came and knocked, 
But he said, Ulo was shocked. What do you want? I'm not expecting any visitor. He said, a man told me to come and help you. Who is the man? She said, she didn't see the man. But he said, said, that's the angel of the Lord. Now, this is what I need. When it comes to territorial matters, you need to invoke angels from heaven. Legalities are not enough. Your participation becomes important. Daniel was in Babylon. According to the writings of prophecy, they were due for deliverance. Nothing was happening because there's no participation from earth. A witness must rise. He knelt down and prayed for 21 days. That was when his prayer became a precursor in the heavens. You can carry the prophecy and say, we are supposed to be in captivity for 70 years. The time you finish reciting it, you will be 400 years in captivity. God told Abraham, I'm showing you something. I will go somewhere with you tonight. He said, Israel, his children will be in captivity. Genesis 15 for 400 years. They were there for 430 years. You will shout on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You will be a fornicator all your life. When you get to heaven, you will discover you were supposed to be a prophet on earth. But all you shouted was on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You didn't take responsibility for your life and destiny. So you will never enter into the fulfillment of that which was written concerning you. Legalities are not enough. That was how Maurice Terulo, a teenager from the U.S., saw the president of Greece. And for the first time, a public meeting was held in Greece. That is what resulted in revival in, the, in Greece. And till today there is gospel in Greece. Maurice Arulo is still alive. Witnesses of Zion. If you are the only Christian in UI, is there hope for Christianity? We have to migrate. We have been on this mountain for too long. I will show you three things tonight. The kingdom must be bettered on your inside. Then the kingdom must be communicated through you. And then the kingdom must be consolidated in your territory. That's the job of a kingdom envoy. We are not just Christians because of the show of it. There is an assignment. That has been committed to us. In Isaiah 53 from verse 1. The Bible said. Who has believed our report. Unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. Who shall declare his generation. Verse 8. For the kingdom to be bettered in you. It means Christ. Must become the center. And circumference of your reality. That's what the kingdom is all about. The expression of your life will become a revelation of different dimensions of Christ. So that you can take over your territory. Miles Moreau defines it. He calls it the governing influence of a king over a people. Creating a citizenry of those people so that their life will become an expression. Their culture and their reality will become an expression of the life of that king. So if Christ is not formed in you and communicated through you, 
you have no part in the kingdom. The reward system of the kingdom is for the born again Christian that commits himself to the service of the king. And before you were born, your portion was already allocated to you. This thing does not give room for creativity. He said, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you to be a prophet. The guy's father was a priest. It would have been easy for him to say, since there is already a priesthood line, let me follow. No. This thing is rigid, defined from eternity past, and it will resonate in eternity future. Playing your part is what makes you relevant in this kingdom. Not because you are born again. You can be born again, yet small in the kingdom. Big on earth, small in the kingdom. Because it doesn't take works to receive everything that God has allocated to you. It takes the finished works of Christ. But what you do with it is what results in kingdom advancement, not what you receive. Every one of us here can have 10,000 10, naira in our account. But the fellowship will be bankrupt. Programs will not be held if we all keep what we receive. Until we express it, kingdom will not be advanced. So the first thing we do in becoming kingdom envoys, remember, I told you, it's a migration from what? Acceptance into the beloved, into representing him at the ecclesia, into going out as a witness. And I said, witnessing is to be what? A martyr. If you check it in Acts 1.8, everybody who is a witness is called a martyr. That means your witnessing has no stature unless you come to a point where you are willing to do it beyond life. This is why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, the life I live now is no longer I. It is the Son of God that gave himself for me. I have become reasonable. I know that I have life in eternity because he died for me. So on earth he will have life because I will live for him. Jesus is desperately desiring to express himself in the world. But the only gate he has to do it is you. The same way when Jesus walked this earth, the Father was desperate to reach out to the world. The only chamber the Father had was through Jesus. So he lived his life expressing the Father. He was the righteousness of God. He was the heir of all things. But his value on earth was the degree to which he represented the Father. So our argument as believers is not primarily on who we are in Christ. It's how much of Christ we can present to our world. Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead. That's not an argument. But while he lived, the Bible said, in the volume of the books, it is written, I come to do thy will. So why life was important was because he was willing to do the will of the Father. Your life is not important because you are born again. Your life is important because everything God wants to do that is allocated to you, you are willing to express it. Even if it will cause death. So when he was in Gethsemane, his convictions were challenged. At different
one level, the spirit realm tried him to see the depths of his conviction. At first, he was challenged at Jordan. The man that was noised abroad to be the salvation of the world, he showed up and the Holy Ghost said, Go and be baptized. And he forwent everything he was. And he knelt down. John said, no! I was telling these people a while ago that you are the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. They understand the prophets. They understand the writings of the prophet. They know that the Messiah is the Son of God. The government of this world is to be on his shoulder. We are supposed to worship you. I am not even worthy to untie your sandals. How can you kneel before me? He says, suffer it to be so for now. Thus, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And creator went down before creation. As if it was not enough, the Holy Ghost drove him into the wilderness. At first, he obeyed to prove that he was the kingdom entity. And God said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. That is a man who is in the kingdom. Now he needs to challenge the gates of hell and become the ecclesia. He went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the devil tried three times and he proved that the gate of hell cannot prevail against the ecclesia. So he left from perceiving the kingdom to becoming the witness on earth. When we talk about witnessing, we are not just talking about you going around talking about Jesus. We are talking about a man who has developed stature enough to prove to principalities and powers that divinity can dwell in humanity. Job was not aware a politics was going on in heaven. And God said, have you seen my servant Job? Do you know whether that time you fornicated God bragged with you? You don't know what witness is about. That time you fornicated, maybe there was an argument in heaven. And God said, no, Miriam is my daughter. And the devil said, no, Miriam is my servant. And God said, no, Miriam is my daughter. Miriam is my righteousness. And the devil said, okay, if Miriam is your daughter, let's subject Miriam to this test. And the devil showed up with a fine boy, with very well carved beard, tall with broad chest. And he said, hello. And after two weeks, Miriam, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, is in a hotel with a handsome man. Then the devil comes back to heaven and says, I told you, God forbid. You didn't know that time you lied. Whether there was an argument on your account inside. The Bible said it was God himself that pointed to Job. Have you seen my servant? So when Job was being tempted, it was not temptation. Job was providing witness on earth. It proved that Zion dwells in man. So in the heights of the heavens, Job was the proof that God was real. That's the witness. So after Jesus proved that he was part of the kingdom by obeying the Holy Ghost, he had to take it further by challenging principalities and powers. The devil came and tried him three times. And he found nothing in him. That's an ecclesia. He left there and he went about. And the devil came again in Gethsemane. His conviction was challenged. The Bible said his sweat was as thick as blood. Medical science tells us that that's the highest level of depression. Melancholy. 
But he said, not by will, but thine. That's a attire. He can die for truth. So our argument is not whether we are the righteousness of God. Our argument is not whether we are supposed to have wealth. All of these are in the promises of God. Wealth, health, riches, abundance is yours in Christ Jesus. But what is Christ Jesus in you? To what degree can you bear witness? Will you be standing? They teach you repentance, but they don't teach you judgment. So you think you fall, rise up, say, I'm sorry. Imagine if Job fell. It is beyond forgiveness. There are, there, are, there are stakes in this matter. You may be the only, the only of your kind that the world is yet to see. You may be the only one that has collected a battery to transport it to the next generation. And then you wasted it because you thought immorality was formed. So you truncate the move of God for 400 years. You don't know the politics that went on in heaven before God chose you. There are many people that preach the way we preach. Who told you Apostle Arume was chose just because he was, he was good or because he loved God? You don't know the politics that went on in heaven. Who told you Apostle Selma was chosen because he was in Zaria? Politics! There were many people preaching the gospel in Zaria. Some more anointed than him. But something happened in Zion. And by the politics of the divine, the name was echoed in Zion. Selman is the chosen one. So imagine if he was fornicating. A generation would have been lost. There are stakes in this matter. Every time the devil comes to challenge you, there are stakes. Kingdom was being lost. The apostolic office was losing his dignity. A young boy was serving in Cano and Jesus came to him and apprehended him. For five years, there was a young lady pursuing Apostle Arome that she must sleep with him for five years. Five years! One lady pursuing one man because the devil have anointed her to end that move of God that was in his spirit. I saw Apostle Arome's picture Ten years ago, I started laughing. These guys were like this. If you saw them, you will not believe. You will not believe that God wants to use these ones. Most of you here are more handsome. Look, you even look like a preacher. <laughs> I saw Apostle Selman's picture. Seven, years, seven, eight years ago in Zaria. When they were in one dark corner, doing fellowship, I started laughing. You are the one that sees yourself like this. In the next 10 years, some of you are supposed to be national prophets. The devil are projected into the future. Jesus was few days old. When the, the, the wise men saw his star from the east and they knew he was a king. The devil comes, you think he's about asking for forgiveness. They deceive you. They taught you forgiveness, they didn't teach you judgment. Some of us will leave this world. And we will never forgive ourselves unless we retrace our step in time. You may not be aware that this revival we are speaking of, you are supposed to be the one that will bear the rod of the miraculous in this revival. You don't know. 
you saw yourself as one sister blessing. You don't know the politics going on in the heavenlies. The elders in Zion have sat down and they say, Mariana, Mariana is the next prophetess that will rise in the order of armies sent permafasting. And then the devil comes tempting you. You think it's about forgiveness. They show up. They say, oh, the next move of the spirit. There are three people in the bottom that will carry the torch. You didn't know there may be 1,000 fellowships, 10,000 churches, but it's only three people that the torch will rest on. And to your dismay, you are one of the people that was elected by ordination in Zion. And the devil comes and marshals every temptation against you. You think it's about forgiveness. My brother, there are windows in the spirit. There are times, there are seasons. The Bible said the sons of Isaac. This be the man that understood the times and the seasons and knew what Israel ought to do. My body will not be a theater for darkness. This one, the devil will not use it. I will be an operating system for God. Even three years ago, if I looked at myself, I was laughing. Baba, I laughed. You don't look like it. Who told you? You, they will be invited from place to place. Meanwhile, according to the calendars of Zion, he said in 2019, Oroko Michael will also be anointed as a revivalist. Meanwhile, in 2018, December, the devil came. I was arrested with loss. Three ladies were on my neck. I didn't know that the door was about to open. Shaba Shataya. Somebody say shame on Satan. The last time you see it is the last time. There are stakes, there are stakes, there are stakes. That God may open your eyes to see the negotiations that are going on in Zion on your account. So you will know that among 10,000 people, you are the only one choosing. You don't know how to speak, you are a stammerer. But God said you are the one. He told Moses, who created the mouth? Your limitation is not a factor. You will be preaching. People will look at you and say, Who is this one? What is he even saying? Let them hear you for five minutes. When they hear you for five minutes, they will know that it's an ancient spirit that is crying out from your bowels. You may look tiny. You may look hungry. You may look epileptic. But it's the spirit of Elijah that is crying out from your bowels. You may not have clothes to wear. You may be in the wilderness. But it is the spirit of Elijah that is crying. So everyone that shows up, let them hear you first. The politics, the politics of the realm. Oh. How is the kingdom better than a man? Sit down for a few minutes. How do we bet the kingdom in a man? The kingdom is born in a man when Christ is formed on his inside. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 17, Paul was talking to Christians. But he said, my little children, of whom I travel again in prayers, until Christ be formed in you. What Paul was talking about was for the consciousness and for the life of the Christ to govern the soul of a man so that that man lives for him. There is a protocol for betting Christ on your inside. 
the first on this protocol is the realization the coming into awareness of who you are in God this is why we preach the gospel one of the major reasons so that you will know what God has done for you there are many people living in guilt living in fear so we tell them that God is no longer angry with you some are falling and rising and they are crying so we tell them be not afraid God is no longer angry with you because that fear that guilt becomes their prison so until they know that the price was paid and they are justified they can never give expression to their faith so the first thing that happened is to come into awareness in 2nd Corinthians 5 17 and 18 the Bible said whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation all things are passed away behold the key word is what behold the Greek word is idol it means become aware because if you are not aware all things will not become new he said behold all things have become new so a man can be in Christ Jesus but is living with the consciousness of the old man so you must be reawakened to the fact that God is no longer angry with you that by death you died to sin by burial you were buried in him by resurrection you rose to the newness of life so every time the devil comes to remind you to drag you back into guilt you tell him I'm the righteousness of God so there is nothing wrong in that awareness the reason we frown at it is because many stop there you don't stop there it's important to equip yourself with this knowledge remember in Corinth the people were living in immorality and when Paul came Paul brought a very strange approach you will think Paul will come and tell them you are condemned. Paul came, he said, No. He said, Know ye not. Know ye not that your bodies is the temple of the Holy Ghost and that God dwells in you. He said, Whoever is joined with Christ is one spirit. So Paul knew the reason they cheaply fell into immorality is because they were not aware. So you must dig into God until it becomes real to your human spirit and to your understanding. This awareness is not quoting. That's not what I'm talking about. It's spiritual knowledge. Listen, sometimes you can carry a pen. You have the pen quite alright. You know you have the pen, but you can be looking for the pen. How many of you have had that experience? You are looking for the pen and you are being wearied by looking for the pen that is in your hand. So this kind of awareness is an awareness that brings you to understanding that what you are looking for is already with you. It's a knowing of revelation. The Holy Ghost quickens your understanding. So you become aware that you are no longer a slave of sin. This is why the elders of old even their songs were different. Now we sing songs that psychos. But in the days of old, 
they sang songs that were consistent with the spirit of the gospel. If you are not aware who you are in Christ, you will never manifest it. That's the first article of the gospel. And everything about awareness is built on justification. Everything God did to justify you. So Paul writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 3 he began to explain the tenets of the gospel. How that he preached Christ. And he preached Christ to have died for our sins. To have been buried and to have resurrected. So he was bringing the people into an awareness of what was done for them. All of this is centered around justification. When you become aware, then you can believe. When a man is aware, the first thing that happens in him is that faith is born in his heart. This is why we preach the gospel. So that faith can be born. So when we come to the sinner, we tell you, God is not angry with you. That Christ paid the price. And you see people excited on the crusade ground. They suddenly believe in the love of God. They believe in the faithfulness of God. And they come into the kingdom. And that's beautiful. It is when this belief is born that you confess. But the problem again is some people don't believe what they are talking. You don't talk to believe. You believe to talk. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 13, he said, according as it is written, they believe and have spoken. We having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. What do you believe? You can never be an envoy if you believe wrongly. So I don't believe I'm a sinner. I believe in the righteousness of God. It's a present hour awareness. I have it intact every day. No devil can condemn me. If you come by any means, I know what to use to counter you. The blood of Jesus has touched me. The Bible said, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. How do you walk in the light? By accepting what he said about you. By believing what he said about you. By aligning to what he said about you. I'm showing you how to become kingdom envoy. You don't jump into responsibility when you have not settled matters of believing. It is what you believe that you ultimately become. What do you believe? If you believe you are a sinner, you will always sin, no matter how you try. If you believe you are guilty, you will always be depressed, no matter how you try. If the devil wants to come and make me feel depressed, he will work very hard. Even if I don't read the Bible for the rest of my life anymore, the devil can't, I cannot be depressed. I can't, I can't, I believe it beyond every doubt. I know I am not condemned. Because I understand the tenets of the gospel. I know what his burial stands for. I know what his death stands for. I know what the cross stands for. I know what the resurrection stands for. I know what the ascension stands for. And you must know it. It is the article of our faith. On the cross, your old man was crucified. So you now have the right to challenge your sin nature. Every time you feel lost, you now have the right to challenge lost. Why? 
Because lust is part of the old man. So when lust rises on your inside, you tell lust, you have no place in me. You are crucified. When lying rises, you tell lying, you are no longer a part of me. You are crucified. By death, the old man died. By burial, the old man was buried. By resurrection, you have the newness of life. So every time I want to pray, and it's a struggle, I tell myself, I have the life of God. I can't struggle with prayer. I talk to myself until something rises on my inside. Every time I want to give, and I struggle, I tell myself, no, I shouldn't struggle. God is a giver. I have his life, so I give. See, I talked myself into this thing for a long time. Most of you that live in sin, don't you know the overtime work the devil does on you? When you are thinking about a lady, sometimes you don't sleep. When you are thinking about a guy, you don't sleep. When you are thinking about stealing, you don't sleep. You will persuade yourself until you can't think otherwise. All you see... So, Go and ask the people that drink and wine. They will think about it until the money will come. In fact, they are seeing the picture when they are bringing the palm wine. When the people are setting the chair. When they are serving the palm wine. They even saw themselves sit down and drink the palm wine before they go there. But when it comes to the things of the spirit, you just feel it will happen. It doesn't happen. You create it in your spirit. That's why God gives you the faculty of imagination. But for you to imagine it, you must be fed over those with it. So you engage God in prayer. You engage the word of God until the Holy Ghost begins to bring you into awareness. And one day you wake up. You just know that you have power over sin. You wake up one day. You just know that you have power over fear. It's not somebody trying to convince you. It's a walking of the Holy Ghost on your inside. And when this awareness comes, you can't help it but to say it. The disciples say we cannot help but to say the things that we have seen and heard. The problem with most of us is that we have not dwelt on these things enough for it to become our predominant thinking pattern. The first criteria of an envoy is a man that is persuaded of the things of the Spirit. He is aware of it. And he confesses it as his lifestyle. But he doesn't stop there. When you understand justification, you are persuaded. But there is another layer. It's called transformation and conformation. There is a kind of work God will do to you for you to become conformed. This is where the organic life of the Holy Spirit begins to find expression on your inside. If you don't come to that point where those things that are believed becomes your operating system, confirmation will be a far cry. How does it work? I will show you from scripture. What's the first thing I've said? You are persuaded of who you are in Christ. And there are two steps. One is what? Awareness. Two is what? Confessing and expressing it. The Bible said that the manifestation of your faith will become effectual 
by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you. Never come to a point where you see yourself as condemned. Never come to a point where you see yourself as a liar. Never come to a point where you see yourself as a fornicator. This is not you deceiving yourself. This is you agreeing with what God says about you. When that is achieved, then the second layer is activated. The protocol of confirmation. This is where you take responsibility. And this is why a lot of people are talking but they have no manifestation. Because they don't yield to a confirmation. A lady called me and she asked me. She said, how are you able to pray in tongues for long? Hope you know, all of us have the Holy Ghost. All of us speak in tongues. But when we speak in tongues, we are differentiated. There are some who cannot speak in tongues for more than one hour. There are some, quite alright, they speak in tongues for more than one hour. But all they have is tongues. Others speak in tongues, they have visions. They have encounters. So, when we begin to align to confirmation, then our potentials in God are activated. You are aware that you are the righteousness of God, you confess it. When you start engaging it, then the Holy Ghost comes to work. Now you are saturated with the word. Now you believe the word. Now you are persuaded and you affirm. You have given the Holy Ghost the license to walk. Listen, the Holy Ghost will not walk in your life unless you are saturated with the word of God and you affirm it. The word of God in your spirit is the raw material the Holy Ghost works with. The Bible said in John 16, 13, he said, I have many things to tell you, but you can't receive it. How be it, when the spirit of truth is come, he will carry you into all reality. You know it, you believe it, you affirm it. But becoming it is the responsibility of the walking of the Holy Ghost on your inside. So he said, he came unto his own. His own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. But how did they become the sons of God? He said, by beholding it. He said, we beheld and we saw him that he was the one who was what? Full of grace and truth. That's what made them experientially become the son of God. Some saw the Logos. They believed it and they had the right. But they never received the grace to become. It is the ones that interacted with the Holy Ghost that the Holy Ghost made to see grace and truth. Peter, Paul will tell us that we all with unveiled faces beholding us in the glass. The image of the Lord we are changed. So our accepting it Receiving the right to become the sons of God, remove the veil. But it is the Holy Ghost that brings us into the awareness. Are you seeing the protocol? So, when you confess what you have believed, then you give the Holy Ghost the right to act on your life. And when the Holy Ghost begins to act, you need to cooperate. If you don't cooperate, the Holy Ghost will be epileptic and paralyzed on your inside. All powerful, but never expressed through you. This is why all of us have the Holy Ghost, but only few manifest it. The guy who is laying hands on the sick and they are being healed is not the only person that can do it. It is a right of every believer. But how many of us are laying hands on the sick and they are being healed? This is where you don't deceive yourself. 
is not enough to confess. You can confess the righteousness of God, you will never manifest it. If you want to prove it, prove it from things that are visible. Go and lay your hand on the sick and see if the sick will recover. If the sick doesn't recover, then know there is something that is not happening on your inside. The reason it's easy for us to argue righteousness is because it's not seen. The ones that are seen don't need argument. You don't come and say, I lay hands on the sick, they recover. There are many sick people around. We will bring one. The argument will end. There are what? Many. Many sick people around. One of the biggest problems with the believer is that he loves to deceive himself. And when he deceives himself, he feels good. If you want to see what you confess, you must cooperate with the Holy Ghost. And there are three things we do very quickly. I want to show you. There are not too many things available for the Holy Ghost to use to cause a man to realign. There are not too many things. There are very few. Very few. And it was Jesus himself that mentioned it. You know, one of the beautiful things with Jesus is that he's an immortal entity. So when he speaks, his words are deep. You can receive it at face value and deceive yourself. They are deep. Jesus said in Luke 18 verse 1, He said, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men do what? Ought. Always. Are you always praying? That's why you are confessing the righteousness of God, but you can't manifest it. If you are a man, for you not to faint. Remember, fainting is not, I'm tired, I'm tired. No. Fainting is a position that is apart from the standard of God. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, the Bible said, Have you not heard? Has it not been said to you that the everlasting God fainted not? Neither is he weary. So fainting is a position that is not consistent with the position of God. But the only infrastructure for remediating fainting, the Bible said, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like the eagles. They shall run, they shall not faint. So there is a place a man can get to. And then that which is not of God will be out of his life. A man can run and not faint. What is the cure? Waiting upon the Lord. So Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. The sister asked me, How are you able to pray for long? Remember, we are talking about how what? To become true envoys of the kingdom. So it's beyond coming to a territory and say, Jesus will take over you I. You will say that for four years. The next time you will see yourself graduating. And if you are not careful, what would have happened to you is that even you I would have swallowed you up. Because you will bring your bag into you I as a virgin. And say, Jesus will take you I. The day you carry your bag, you are going. Jesus has not only taken over, you have lost your virginity. 
Jesus will take over you I. You came as a burning revivalist. But the day you are going, you have eaten the money of your department. Because you became the president, college of engineering. And as president, college of engineering, you didn't know when you did design three extra receipts. Jesus will take you out, but the day you are leaving you out, you have deposited your own evil in the land. So your own evil will stand as a memorial in the spirit. The next time a demon comes, he will use the precedence of what you created. So the next innocent guy that comes and says, Jesus will take over your eye. The same demon that made you fall will be released from hell. Because now that demon has a specialty. Everybody that said that the day they come on campus, that demon becomes their, their officer. So you are the one. You were the one that created the precedence. See, before you see, remember that there are stakes. You know, when Balaam, when Balaam decided to go the way of iniquity, he thought it was about him. Balaam was not aware that he was a representative of the prophetic ministry. So the one error of Balaam became the doctrine of Balaam. And it also became the way of Balaam. There are many prophets today that are lost because of Balaam. God may have forgiven him. He may have gone to heaven. I don't have time for that argument. But one thing I will tell you is that the iniquity of Balaam is on earth today as what? As a witness. So anybody who is a prophet especially a forensic prophet, he will battle with women and money. Why? Because of the error of Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam, and the way of Balaam. There are certain things you do, you are forgiving, but you have created a way in the spirit. Everybody that comes to this campus, that has the same dimension that you have in the spirit, that way created with fighting. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 4.27, is they giving no place to the devil? It's too expensive. How do we activate confirmation? One, by what? Prayer. If you are struggling with prayer, there's a cure. In Psalm 18, verse 18, the Bible says, Quicken us, O Lord, that we may call upon your name. You know that men ought always to pray, but you can't pray. What you need to do is to call upon the name of the Lord to help you. You will do that thing for a long time, sister. You will do it for a long time. But you will not stop until you are helped. This is one of the organic operations of the Holy Ghost on your inside. The Bible said the Spirit Himself helpeth our infirmities. Because as fallen creatures, we have infirmities. Especially in the place of prayer. So He said the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. We know not what to pray for as we ought. First, we don't know how to pray. Second, we don't know what we should pray for. And just in case we know what we should pray for, we don't know how we ought to pray it. So we need the help of the Holy Ghost. Before we engage the enterprise of prayer, we must ask the Holy Ghost to quicken us. There are three ways the Holy Ghost quickens a man. Three ways. One, he strengthens your will 
The reason you faint in the place of prayer is because your will is weak. The reason you are a slave of sin is because you can't pray. And the reason you can't pray most times is because your will is weak. So if you want to deal with the issue of sin, then you must become a man of prayer. And for you to become a man of prayer, you must be helped of the Holy Ghost. And one way the Holy Ghost helps you is by strengthening your will. Jesus, the Bible revealed in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, He said the Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted. When Jesus knew temptation was coming, He didn't go to tell people, Oh boy, uh, temptation the come. He went and he fasted and prayed for what? 40 days and 40 nights. He knows the secret. You sense that temptation is coming. You are about to fall into fornication. And then you go and cry. And then you hypocritically call two of your friends. And say, I don't know what's happening. There's warfare. No. You are already falling. If you want to stand, you know what to do. Jesus was being led into the wilderness to be tempted. What did he do? He prayed and fasted for 40 days. And when he was torn. Everything the devil was saying was child's play. When the devil speaks, I can imagine Jesus walking with his hand like this. Do you know how a man becomes like Mount Zion that cannot be moved? It's because his roots have gone deep in the spirit. So what people are struggling with, they say, hey, hey. You show up, you are not aware. You are dead. Those things don't move you. There are some of us here, young preachers, if you see a fair lady, your alignment will be altered. The delicate balance of your alignment will be shaken. <laughs> the reason is not because you are weak. Every one of us is weak. It is the one on our inside that rises up as a strong man. So if you want to fight it, what you do is that you plant your knee on the altar. So when Jesus showed up, he knew how it works. So he came to his disciple. He said, pray so that you fall not into temptation. If you don't pray, you will fall. Tell somebody, pray that you fall not into temptation. <laughs> Simon, Simon. Satan desires to have you and sit you as weak. But I have prayed that your faith faileth not. When thou art recovered, Strengthen. Jesus taught Peter had learned the lesson, but he didn't learn it. So when they were going to get Simon, he came. You know, when Satan came for Simon, Jesus came and announced to Simon, the reason you will stand is because I prayed. He thought Peter understands now that the cure to temptation is to pray. But Peter didn't understand. So when he came to get Simon, he told them, he said, pray that you fall not into temptation. A man who is not praying will fall. Daniel did not survive Babylon because he was a prophet. There are many prophets today who are fornicators. The fivefold does not shield you from sin. Daniel survived. The Bible said in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10, it said three times in a day, as his custom was, he prayed facing Jerusalem. This man knows the secrets that make things work in this kingdom. See, when you are a babe, you are moved by emotional things. When you begin to grow, your life is governed by the laws of the spiritual. Emotion don't move you anymore. 
It's only babes that are good. I need you every hour. So they now sing the song and they draw the song and then they cry. <laughs> Elders are not moved by emotion. Because what? By reason of use, they have exercised their senses to discern between good and evil. So the guy wakes up every morning, he prays for three hours. If you like, bring a naked woman, he's not moved. You are the only one that noticed that the lady is naked. He will see him and say, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. He is not talking from his head. That one that he interacted with in the morning has risen on his inside like a giant. <laughs> what rises on your inside? They come, they say, house rent, house rent. Then you see believers running up and down. When they try to borrow and they can't find, they go and steal. Not an elder. The landlord calls him when he's done. He drops the phone and he enters his room. Shahabai. Kasivo Rahakazia Savash. Jezazana Kamrun Hazazila Hata. He knows that his help is in Zion. From whence cometh our help? Our help cometh from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. He will not allow my feet to be moved. Him that keepeth Israel, neither sleep nor slumber. So every time there's a challenge, he said they looked upon him and their faces were radiant. They were not ashamed by prayer. By prayer. Men that survive in this kingdom, they eat prayer as a lifestyle. So when the Holy Ghost comes, He quickens you on the inside. He strengthens your will. So you notice, you began to pray. I was asking God, what's the secret of spiritual strength? He didn't take me to the Bible. You know what the Holy Ghost told me? He said, when you are fasting and you feel very hungry, begin to pray. See, oh, this one is not doctrine. I'm not teaching you. Edit it from your head. This one is what the Holy Ghost told me. You know what he said? He said, my son, Michael, pray for long and for long so that your spirit man will be strong. So when I, I'm, I'm fasting, my most intense prayer is between 3, 4, and 5 p.m. in the evening. And then I notice that I will be so hungry, but I'll go and lie down. I will not even be able to stand. And I start speaking in tongues. After some time, I will notice it's as if there's an exchange in my belly. And then I stand up in the room. Suddenly, the time I receive my greatest visions are in the evening time. A point came in my life. Every time it's 4 p.m., I begin to hear a song. I begin to hear a song. I now understood that there are secrets in Zion. Because I was fainting in fasting. And the Holy Ghost said the secret of strength is to pray in the Spirit. So, I can be studying the world, listening to message. When the lining of my stomach is about to crack, then I begin to pray in tongues. And suddenly, the stomach pumps out. <laughs> if the Holy Ghost wants to help you, He will strengthen your will. This is why many spiritual men don't break. They stand like Mount Zion. The second thing the Holy Ghost will do, is that He will furnish you with burdens. If the Holy Ghost doesn't go the path of your will, He will go the path of burdens. Burdens. They are spiritual resources that the Holy Ghost allows you to spend from. 
So sometimes there is a challenge. And then suddenly, something hits your heart. And then that thing now consumes you. This is what was happening in the life of Jesus. He said, the zeal of my father's house has consumed me. It's a body. If the Holy Ghost wants to help you, sometimes he gives you a body about young ladies. So you come, see people dressed anyhow, you can't sleep. The Bible said in Colossians 4.12, it says, Epaphras is one of you, a bond servant of Christ, laboring perfectly for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So long as there is a church in Ephesus, Epaphras cannot sleep. It's a body. You come to a point where so long as there are people walking this campus naked, you can't sleep. You come to a point where so long as the revival has not come, you can't sleep. It's a body. That thing will eat you up. It will swallow you. So the reason you are praying is not necessarily because you are strong. There's a body on your inside. There are economies in the spirit. These things are deeper than just coming to say, I'm the righteousness of God. This is the organic working of the Holy Ghost on your inside. This is where many Christians don't travel to. So they don't know why they are weak. They have resolutions upon resolutions. They cry, they cry. But when their help comes from heaven, they can't recognize it. The guy is crying, Lord, when will you deliver me from fornication? And God strengthens his will. He doesn't know what to do with it. Paul said, I will pray in the spirit. I will pray in my understanding. He knows the economy of the will. The thought in the Holy Ghost does is that he gives you a hunger for the presence. This is the sweetest realm of prayer. When your will is strengthened, you pray until you break through. That's what strengthening the will does for you. It helps you to stand until you break through. Listen, you may distraction may cause you to be dampened. Anxiety may cause you to be suppressed. Challenges of life may cause you to be weak. So God will strengthen your will. For you to pray to a level where your spiritual senses are activated. So sometimes, the degree to which we are destroyed is very wide. So you may need to pray for two hours before you come up from where you felt. The anxiety is too much. The weakness is too much. So the Holy Ghost strengthens your will to stand until you can break through. When you break through, your will is no longer necessary. That time the scriptures come alive. Encounters begin to open up. Visions begin to open. Instructions. When you finish, you discover it for seven hours. The first time it happened to me, I was exhausted. I went to the room to pray. And I laid on the chair. I said, Lord, help me to pray. Because this night, if you don't help me, I will sleep. I will sleep. You know, in the enterprise of prayer, we know God as Father. <laughs> you see, God can be many things. God is judge. God is king. God is Lord. God is creator. But if it is prayer you want to engage, you must know God as what? As father. The reason is because the word father is the word fundus. Fundus means foundation. That means it's upon him that you stand. The word father in the Greek is the word pater. Pater means sustainer and nourisher. That's why when Jesus taught them to pray, he said, our father. He didn't say our king. He didn't say our God. He didn't say our Lord. He said what? Our Father. So I told God, 
if you don't strengthen me, you know when you come before Father, you can be pampered. <laughs> if you don't strengthen me tonight, I will sleep. And something came upon my wheel. And as I began to pray, suddenly I saw a light came out of the wall. And the light entered me and I entered into a trance. That was the first day I knew that I was one of the armies of the last day. I saw a vision. Beings like crocodiles stood on mountains and they, they were killing people with battles. And as I looked from the mountain where I stood, I saw some people with battles. They were fighting. And from nowhere my own entered my hand. And the force carried me into the battlefield. And I began to fight. As I fought for a long time, one of the fathers came to me and said, Take the people to safety. In the spirit realm, they are rank. <laughs> Allow people who argue to be arguing. They argue because they have not entered reality. If you enter into reality, you will know that they are rank. It's not an argument. You can only argue it if you are not aware. One of the fathers came to me. He said, take the people to safety. I could not argue. I didn't say a word. I turned instantly. Because in the spirit realm, there is perfect obedience. As I carried the people, some of them gave me money. Some of them gave me resources. So I knew that other people can be John the Baptist. But me, in my own ministry, there will be money. Because I saw it in heaven. When you hear people talking, they are not only quoting scripture, they are talking from reality. Bishop Oedeko went to the mountain to, to pray. After three days, a being appeared and taught his tongue with a coal of fire. And he said, from today as you say it, you will see it happen. So the man is not only quoting scripture, he has an encounter in heaven. Everything you say, you will see it. Meanwhile, that day I was what? I was weak. But I said, Lord, help me, help me. So help came, my will was strengthened and I broke through. When you break through, you don't need your weed anymore. Then the Holy Ghost gives you burdens. You spend from the economy of that body. When the body is dissipated, your prayer has ended. Anything you do after that body, you are in the flesh. <laughs> That's one thing God blesses intercessors with richly. So if you find out that you have burdens apart from yourself, it is most likely that you are an intercessor. And thirdly, it gives you hunger. For the presence. So you don't just pray because you need something. You are swallowed up by the love of God. You come before him. You break down. You are crying. You cry for three hours. They say why are you crying? You don't know. You are just loving the Lord. This is where men are broken. The reason is because. Everything that will happen to you. Will be part of your artillery. As a witness. The encounters you receive. From the realm of the spirit, they are your weapons of war. It was the encounter that Moses had on Mount Horeb that became his advantage in Egypt. There's no way Moses would have been an envoy of heaven without those encounters. So when the Holy Ghost strengthens your will in prayer, what he's doing is that he's giving you your tools of kingdom advancement and kingdom witness. The bodies you have, they are the fewer for how far you will go in life. And the love of God is the key for balance and accuracy. Any man who doesn't love Jesus for who he is, is not a kingdom envoy. One of the strategies of building the kingdom 
is the strategy of prayer. This is why all the fathers of old, they were men of prayer. I tell people, the ministry of Jesus was replete with signs and wonders. But the disciples never asked, them, asked him to teach them how to do signs. They only asked him to teach them how to pray. That means Jesus prayed more than everything he did. So that was what stood up in their mind. They knew that everything this man is doing is because of his prayer. Early in the morning, Jesus would go and hide on the mountain. He's praying. And they come and Jesus say, let's go. So they knew. They say, no, sir, sir. The reason we are struggling is because we are not doing this thing you are doing. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Second requirement for you to be a kingdom envoy is for you to be saturated with the word of God. See, when the challenges of life come, all your philosophies will vanish. You see those arguments you are arguing before people and saying and pocketing your hand. Wait until your wife is in the labor room for four days. You will not remember where the pocket of your clothes is. There's no challenge. That's why you are, well, you know, um, it's wise to, uh, <laughs> wait until challenge comes. You will not remember that your trousers have pocket. The only thing that can confront challenge is the word of God that you planted in your spirit. Many people, the word of God is cast on their inside. They are not saturated. When you hear them talk, it's the philosophy of their home. The things their father say. The things their mother say. A man is a Christian. He is going to get married and he says, our people know they do one like this. I thought your people are Zionites. That's why when challenge comes, the first thing that happens to you is fear. Because your people fear. That's why you always fall and you keep falling. Because your people fall. But the Bible said concerning Jesus, in Luke chapter 4 verse 16, it says, He entered the synagogue as his custom was, and he carried the scroll to read. So Jesus was a reader. Paul said to Timothy, when he's coming, he should carry the scriptures and his parchments. These guys were ardent men. They ate the word of God. They said, for a lifetime, Smith Wigglesworth never went more than 25 minutes without reading a verse from the Bible. For a lifetime. And then he comes for a meeting. I heard a story about Wigglesworth. They brought somebody with cancer to his beating and the stomach was something a growth was hanging like this the guy was on bed reading they carried him he was almost dying and he said lift him up they lifted him up and he punched the cancer the man fell down lifeless people were like hey! he said carry him up they carried him up he punched the cancer again the man fell down and when he said, carry him up the third time, somebody shouted from the congregation, Stop it, you wicked man! He came to church to see a preacher, but see, his uncircumcised conscience, he wanted to intervene for the man. He didn't know that faith was at work. If you copy Smith Wigglesworth, you will kill people. There is something built on his inside. 
and he said, shut up. I know my business. Face your business. And he punched the cancer for the third time. And the growth fell off from the mastom. Without oppression, the thing pulled out. And the skin was like the skin of a child. How do men come to that level? He didn't go 25 minutes without reading a verse from the Bible. There is nothing special about anybody. What is special are the provisions of the kingdom that you give your life to. If you do what they do, you will have what they have. And maybe even more. God is not a respecter of persons. They didn't do what they did because they were special. There was something they knew. They gave their lives to it. Kingdom and voice. Another time, somebody was on the bed. He came and punched the man. And the man fell as if he was dead. And he left the man. He was going. And people were saying, oh, he has killed the man. He has killed the man. After like five minutes, he didn't turn back. And the man got up and started shouting, I'm healed, I'm healed. And the man was running towards him. Stories have it that he didn't turn his back. He was not surprised. The third thing God does to you, to make you become an embodiment of the Christ, to reflect his reality, is what we call dealings. You see, not everybody learns by revelation. <laughs> you know, God will not give up on you. He will never give up on you. <laughs> Before you were born, He called you a prophet in the spirit realm. That's why even though you are fornicating till tomorrow, you go for a meeting, every prophet come and say, you are a prophet. Every time the Holy Ghost comes, he says, you are what? A prophet. Let me tell you my story. <laughs> I knew from a child that I would be doing this thing. But at every level of my life, I fought it. From a seven, I had an encounter. From a twelve, I knew I would be a preacher. I was walking on the street and say, I will not preach the gospel. Because I didn't see any pastor that impressed me. Those days, their trousers used to be big. Then they will wear one huge coat that will reach their knee with twelve bodies. <laughs> their Bible was like this. And as if they never had cars, they were always trekking with their large shoe. And then when they come, they start threatening you. If you die, you will go to hell. I say, get up! <laughs> I didn't care. I continued like that until... Finally, I accepted the call. A lot of things happened. But when I accepted to preach this gospel, there were still issues with the soul. Those days, I was a man that loved excellence. Now, there's nothing wrong with excellence. Alright? Excellence is part of, of the reality of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, Make garments unto Aaron for beauty and for glory. You know, sometimes when we are teaching, we don't have enough time to balance. So people think we are fighting prosperity, we are fighting excellence. Far be it from it. Not at all. Alright? Brother, the damsel I choose for myself, you know, I checked. I had to carry a very accurate lens to observe. I checked the height. I checked the shape. 
Her fingernails were like the fingernails of a goddess. This lady was as fair as a bulb, electric bulb. If she sweat, the sweat will drain from her, her face and come down her leg because her skin was like a snake. She was without blemish. She was a bit taller than me. When you speak of elegance, you don't need a dictionary. Look upon her. Oh, how my soul loves this damsel. She became an idol. Meanwhile, this is the man that says he wants to evangelize the world. <laughs> is there anything wrong with fair ladies? No. Some daughters of God are like that. She is also a daughter of God. But you see, the impact of the fall on my life was such that I could not handle that kind of beauty. That kind of beauty became a God to me. She became an idol. So I loved her with all of my soul. If I want to fast, and she calls me that day in the morning, the fasting will end, we go out. Even if there's nowhere to go to, we'll go to the zoo. Everything around her, no matter how boring, became sweet. And God knew that this man was about to sacrifice his calling. So one day as I was going home, a voice walked out of the wall and called her name and said, I should leave her and I will see his power in my life. I said, this cannot be God. <laughs> Why? Two reasons. Doctrinally, Power is not a function of who you live or who you stay with. It says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I have the Holy Ghost, so I have power. So I say, this is not God. You will pick one scripture and build your life there if you don't know the spirit realm. When you know Jesus, then you will see the depths of scriptures. Scriptures will become deeper. You will sit on one scripture for one year because now you know Jesus. That scripture will be opening up Jesus in different layers and dimensions. The second reason I said was that I have not touched this lady. So it cannot be God. If I touched her, I would say, okay, we are seen. For four months, I was struggling. Meanwhile, that was a season when another layer was to come upon me. I was comfortable with this relationship until I met Apostle Arume. And they began to talk kingdom, talk kingdom, talk alignment, talk alignment. Until those things began to open for me. I started, to receive, I started receiving personal instruction. And that was one of the instructions. So every time I came to tent, and the prayer is going on, and the energy becomes high, and I lift my hand towards heaven, I will hear, leave. <laughs> and you will see my power in your life. For four months, I was struggling with the word of God. That was when I realized that God teaches stubborn people with dealings. You wouldn't have needed so much dealing if you were humble, if you were obedient. But unfortunately, the fall, the fall makes it difficult for you to obey. So the Holy Ghost comes and says, leave Facebook for three months. 
You now go, you say you will not subscribe again. After two days, you now enter free mode. <laughs> so, if the Holy Ghost wants to help you, it will allow that thief. <laughs> that thief will come intelligently to the hostel when you went to take your bath and carry the phone. Don't waste your time cursing the thief. Nothing will happen to him. You know why? When that thief steals that phone, it is that phone God will use to convict him. Because he will carry that phone to the crusade. And the evangelist will say, every thief will go to hell. He will start crying. So God has turned everything for good. All things work together for good. <laughs> Meanwhile, for you, you are banished from Facebook. So that is a dealing. Since you cannot obey by revelation, you will now obey by what? By dealing. This is why most of the men that bear the banner of the kingdom, they have many scars. Because some of them were wise in their own ways. They were strong. Nothing could convince them. So God himself creates a scenario that chokes them until they are broken. Jacob was the custodian of the Abrahamic blessing. He was working with the blessing, but he was a swindler, a supplanter. How do you carry the hundred blessings of Zion? So God himself came and fought him from night to morning. His carnality was so strong that God could not convince him through the night. So the maker of men had to break him. God makes men. He said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. But men that don't obey instruction, God breaks them. So he touched his thigh bone and the guy was broken. He said, as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men and have prevailed. Most of us, the reason life looks as if it is hard is because God is trying so hard not to give up on us. You are struggling to step out of your destiny. God has sent prophets. God has given you encounters. God has given you revelation. But He can't help you. So the only thing He will do is to make the, heart, the ground hard. You know, the Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard. He allows it so that you will find your way back. Did you see the prodigal song? He carried his father's money, spent it on riotous living until he had to live with swines. How come nobody in the whole nation will favor him? Is his name Satan? No, it was a dealing. When he ate with pigs, he came back to his senses and he returned to his father's house. He said, Treat me like a servant. That time he can become a son. Dealings. Those are things that God put in place to bring you back. To become a witness of Zion. A point come when there is nothing about you anymore. So you now say the life I live now is Christ. When you see men like Paul tell you. We are the circumcision. That worship God in the spirit. Rejoicing in Christ Jesus. Having no confidence in the flesh. It's not a scripture to quote. It was the summary of his life. The ways were difficult for Paul. Every city he went to he was persecuted. Because of the multitude of knowledge. The guy had tendency of being boastful. Paul can come to you and say, Well, you can read the Bible for three years. I know these things by revelation. God carried me to heaven. So in order for there not to be boast, God made sure that every city he went to, there was a messenger of Satan that buffeted him. Flogged, 39 strokes five times. Stoned to death. Shipwrecks many times. Fasting uncountable. 
so that he can represent Jesus. Kingdom and voice are broken men. This thing is not about how intelligent you are with the Bible. Billy Graham preached John 3.16 for 70 years. For 55 years, he was in U.S. Time magazine as one of the most influential men in the world. When he died, his corpse was placed where American presidents that die on seat are placed. The greatest honor, national honor, this is not heaven yet, on earth. What was he preaching? The cross. For God so loved the world. For 70 years. The children of Israel would have walked out quietly. But the Bible said God knew that if they saw war, they would repent and return to Egypt. So he let them go through the way of the Red Sea. There is no going back. That's what dealing does for you. Many times God will come and say, burn your bridges. He is ending relationship. All the relationships are ending abruptly and the person says he will never forgive you. You will beg the person and say, no, those bridges are burned forever. Because God knows that in two months your fire will be attacked. And if that fire quenched and you make peace, you will go back. So he will burn the bridges. By dealing. You can never go back. A point comes when your path becomes narrow. There was a period in my life where God will forbid me from putting my SIM card in my phone for six months. Meanwhile, I was a copper. I needed to be calling people so that money can be coming from here and there. You know, when you call, you say, I just want to greet you. Kai, things are hard though. The people will understand. I was in a strange land, a young boy serving. And God will say, remove your SIM card. And I was running that schedule for six months. I didn't know that he was making me a witness. A point comes where we go beyond the Logos. We come into the school of the Spirit. So he teaches you how to walk on dry ground. So that a point comes, you can speak to the rock and it will bring out waters. Kingdom and voice. This is the kind of journey you will travel in that you will no longer have confidence in yourself. It's at this point that the strategy of colonization is given to a man. See, you will never have accurate gifts of the Spirit unless you come here. When God has schooled you by prayer, by the word and by dealing, until Jesus becomes the epicenter of your reality, the office of the Christ becomes your operating system. That is when it is right for you to understand the doctrine of prosperity. Because every money that comes to your hand at that time is a trust. It's no longer your money. It's Jesus' money in your account. So when Jesus needs anything, he can say, give them 10,000. Yes, sir. You want to marry? Jesus said, give them the last one million in your account. Yes, sir. What has happened? No confidence in the flesh. If we don't come here and we master prosperity, mammon will become our God. You know, the Bible said Jesus is first among principalities. There are many enthroned entities in darkness that have the power to rule your soul. It's not only Jesus that can rule your soul. There are beings in the spirit that can rule your soul. One of them is Mammon. Did you not read? First John chapter 2 from verse 15. It said, love not the world. It said, they that love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. He was talking to Christians. He said, what is in the world? The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. The pride of life. People that boast with their cars, with their certificates, with their bank account. When you hear them talking boldly, you think it's Jesus. It's a lie. 
when they finish talking, they will tell you, by the grace of God, every month they can boast of two million. Their confidence is in the flesh. So, mammon is their God. Jesus is not the ruler of their soul. They are born again. But all of that reality is in their spirit. Their soul is under, under mammon. If God wants to help them, He will break them. Some of them are ruled by the God of this world. So the operating system is rebellion. In Ephesians 2 verse 2, he called them the sons of disobedience. They are sons of Belia. Christians, but disobedient to the heavenly calling. The Bible spoke about some that live for pleasure. Paul said, if you live for pleasure, you are dead, even while you are walking on the earth. See, this is why we are careful to teach people to come to a point where Jesus is their, the emphasis of their life before we talk about prosperity. If not, prosperity will become the reason why they will not be great in the kingdom. Meanwhile, one of the strategies of colonizing this world is by the strategy of wealth. So much money. Because my kingdom through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. But that prosperity must be in the hand of a man that Jesus is his Lord. Because it's the same prosperity that should advance the kingdom that are used to build nightclubs. That are used to build every institution of distraction that makes it impossible for you to fulfill your destiny. So the key is not prosperity. The key is the heart that can steward prosperity. The key is not power. It's the heart that can steward power. The key is not wisdom. It's the heart that can steward wisdom. This is the generation that Jesus is waiting for. Men that comes to a point where Jesus is the operating system of their lives. Tonight we will pray. Our prayer point is simple. Remember, I told you, you should leave this place sober and go and meditate. It's not a night to shout and scream. You are aware of how many windows have been shut against you in the spirit realm. You knew that much when you had body for prayer. But you wasted it because of distraction. You know. You know that time when you knew God was near. But you gave in to fornication. And even though you repented, the fire died. You know. You know. The reason you are where you are is because you failed to tend the fire. The Bible said the fire on the altar must not be put out. It said the priest must put wood on it every morning. The fire on the altar. Tomorrow I will teach you the strategy of advancing the kingdom. That's when I will talk about the gifts of the spirit. I will talk about anointing and authority. I will talk about wisdom. I will talk about finances. So you will know. I will talk about excellence. You will know we don't abhor this thing. But there are things we can steward. When we have become the servants of Christ. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The reason is because he said, I know how to abound and I know how to abase. I am Lord of circumstances. If you have not come to that point, money will become your God. You will learn the whole strategy and make the millions, but money will become your God. Tonight, the prayer point is simple. Lord, make me a kingdom envoy. Make me a kingdom ambassador. I've shown you the gospel. 
How that by the finished works of Jesus you are justified. You are the righteousness of God. No doubt about it. Everything Jesus has, he has given to you. God is not angry with you. You are not condemned. You are not judged. And I've shown you how to make it your consciousness. By meditating on it and altering it. And I've also gone a bit further to show you how to cooperate with the Holy Ghost on your inside. So that it becomes your operating system. Right now you want to pray. Lord, make me an ambassador of your kingdom. Refuse to be distracted. By tomorrow morning, I will teach you how to advance the kingdom. What we have done tonight is to show us how to become envoys, ambassadors of this kingdom. But tomorrow morning, I will show you how to advance the kingdom. Tonight, I want us to make commitments. There is no doubt that you are a Christian. Nobody is arguing it. But the question is, are you a witness? You have come into the kingdom, perfect. But are you an ecclesia? Can God boast of you? Are you standing for the kingdom? Before we talk about matthias. Just in case you are here tonight. And you want your life to be dedicated to God. I'm not talking about becoming an apostle, a prophet. No. I'm talking about representing Jesus in your sphere of influence. Today is a classroom. Tomorrow it will be in the bank. Tomorrow it will be in the oil company. It will be in the academia. You want God to begin a new walk with you. So that you can become an ambassador of the kingdom. Run to the front. I have seen a lot of things. I have ministered to youth. Far and wide. We lack something. We lack something. Listen. Spirits are very legalistic beings. They walk with you from the point of covenant. If you don't have a covenant, the power and the authority of a spirit will not be strong in your life. Spirits walk from the place of covenant. There are hundreds of people rededicating themselves. When the hearts of people becomes an altar for the Lord. These are the things we are lacking. Genuine repentance. We come from meetings. As beautiful as the administration of the Spirit falling down is, there are no committed people. Most of us are committed to our phones. We are committed to the social media. We are committed to friends. But we are not committed to Jesus. Go ahead and tell him. Lord, I open my heart to you. Rule over me. Rule. Rule over me. The fire. The fire of revival. Tell the Lord, you are ready. 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 The first wave, the first wave that is entering this building is a spirit for restoration, a release for restoration. The years you have lost, the years that have been eaten up, the Lord wants to restore. 
And so in the name of Jesus. Right now, precious Holy Ghost. Even those of you outside. Those of you standing. Those of you on the gallery. In the name of Jesus. Father. According to your word. Let the grace for restoration begin to rest. The grace for restoration. From the left to the right. From the front to the back. To the gallery. Outside of this place. What we are talking about tonight is a serious kingdom business. Listen, angelic functionaries are coming to partner with people. Now, like joke, the hand of God is going to begin to touch now. Fresh oil. I see a fresh oil come upon people. Some of you will have physical sensations right now. Like your hands burning your tongue, your tongue, your tongue. Some of you, your head, your head will be set on fire. Your head, literally. Some of you, your legs. Some people will start running, literally running. Fire on your leg, catching. Your legs are about to be set on fire. You will carry the torch of the gospel to the nations of the world. Radical opposition against darkness. Holy Ghost. Let it be a festival of fire. 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 Shetetelia. Baleto, baleto. Zedetedesh.